Hey there, I'm Andy Malinsky. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast, where we engage thought leaders about the challenges they have had in stepping outside their comfort zones in their lives and their work, and also advice that they have for young people interested in developing their leadership potential. This podcast is sponsored by Brandeis University's International Business School and the Perlmutter Institute for Global Business Leadership. I'm so happy to introduce today's guest. Dov Barron is a leadership and corporate cultural strategist who's been named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 100 leadership speakers. He's the host and producer of the Full Monty Leadership Radio Show, which I was on and had a great time being on, and a best-selling author. Um, in June 1990, while free rock climbing, Dov fell approximately 120 feet and landed on his face. The impact shattered most of the bone structure of his face, disintegrating some of his upper jaw and fracturing his lower jaw in the process. After nine reconstructive surgeries, no external evidence remains of the damage. Um, however, as you might imagine, this experience was life-changing. Before the fall, Dov had spent many years building a reputation as a dynamic speaker, and he certainly is, and teacher in the field of personal and professional development. But it wasn't until sometime after the fall, he began to see the beauty and elegance of what had really happened. The return to his own core what he calls his authentic self. Very interesting. Today, Dove is the best-selling author of several books, including his latest, Fiercely Loyal. He's um, been interviewed and worked with leaders and featured on Oprah, Ellen, CNN, Fox, all sorts of places. He's got a massive social media following. And in addition to being an author and radio host, Dove is also a leading expert on developing authentic leadership, as you can tell from his experience, his expertise, and he is the world's only corporate cultural momentum strategist, serving top performance individuals, corporations, and organizations to generate both exponential growth and fierce loyalty. So with that, Dove, I am very happy to have you here on the podcast. Thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure and honor. I'm happy to be here to serve, and thank you for your generous introduction. Okay, great. So let's dive right in. Um, we like to talk about comfort zones on this podcast, and I'd love you to um, start by thinking of a time when you've had to step outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, what was it like? What were, what, what were the challenge? How, how did you overcome them? Kind of bring us through it. Sure. Well, uh, stepping out of my comfort zone is something that, that happens about every 20 minutes in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but of course, you brought up the one that is the most major and that where I was forced out of my comfort zone, which is when I fell off the mountain. Before I fell, I was very successful. I was speaking all over the world. I was having all kinds of success. I was probably the most successful I'd been up until that point. Um, and then it all came to a grinding halt in June 1990 when I fell off that mountain and got smashed to pieces. Um, and the challenges were extraordinary, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Do you remember um, what you thought about yourself and your career after it happened? I mean, I imagine immediately there was some shock and trying to figure out what had happened and trying to sort of, you know, um, figure out what you could do. But, but when, once you started to kind of step back and think about your career and yourself, you know, where were you after, after the accident? 
No, it's a great question. See, the interesting thing about comfort zone from a place of psychology is that human beings, we love to cling to what's familiar. We like to stay with what's comfortable. Uh, and we all have heard, you know, you've got to get a step out of your comfort zone. But that's, uh, that's cliche. Because the truth is that we are all inherently bonded to what is familiar. Familiar coming from the Latin familius, which means learned in family. So, you know, we, it's what's comfortable for us. So when I fell in the certainly first nine months after I fell, smashed to pieces, already had uh, several reconstructive surgeries, and people would ask me, how are you doing? I was born in a ghetto. I was a leader. I was, the, you know, I was the tough guy. So when people ask me, how are you doing? I would always say, I'm great. I'm coming back. And I'd say that with my jaw wide closed. I should not. You know, I'm going, I'm going on. But there is no back. That's not how life works. There is no back. There is only forward. And so there was no way for me to come back. But I wanted to go back because that was my comfort zone. I knew how to do the things I'd done. And about nine months in, I came home one night I opened the door. I, it's the first time I'd had a good night out. I mean, nine months in, I, I had been depressed and down and just feeling defeated. And I walked in the house after being out with my buddies and had laughed. And I thought, oh, it's so great. I, I actually can laugh. I've forgotten that. And I opened the door. And as I swung open the door and I looked across the kitchen, there was garbage festooned everywhere. The place smelt. There was empty packages and cans and, and coffee grinds. And I knew exactly who was to blame. And I was freaking furious. And I walked into the living room. And there he was on the couch, laid there all casual, like no big deal. And I lifted my hand filled with rage. And I, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, but I was filled with rage. And as my hand was about halfway down, something in me clicked. I stopped. I slowed down and I touched my cat. This is a cat I did not like had been given. I didn't want a cat. I didn't like cats. And I touched the cat and the cat was cold. And I realized as I scooped the cat up into my arms that the cat was dead. It had died right there. I curled on my couch. And I fell on the floor and began to weep. And I just wept and wept and realized I was not crying about this cat. What I was crying was that my life was over, the life that I'd had, and that there was no going back, and that I had to find a way forward. There was a, I couldn't go back, that was obvious. I couldn't stay where I was, which was the most seductive of all, which was to just remain a victim and just say, well, this is my lot in life, or I could move forward, but I didn't know how. And that was the point where I had to challenge my comfort zone and say, and, and, and to be honest with you, I actually even said, I'm not going prior to that. Uh, and that, after that breakdown, rather not prior, but just, just after that, I said, that's it. I'm never going to speak again. I'm not going to be a speaker. I'm not going to be an author. I'm not going to be a trainer. I'm not going to do all the things I'm going to do. And about eight, nine months after that, so 18 months after the fall, I was back speaking and a friend said to me, I thought you weren't going to do this anymore. And I said, I'm not doing it. And he goes, I just watched you on stage and I saw people come up and you signed people up to work with you. You're doing the same. I said, no, I'm not. It looks the same, but it's not the same. The shift out of the comfort zone was the decision to only operate purely authentically from a place of true purpose. And purpose is not about what I can give, uh, what, what I can get. It's about what I can give. And that was the shift. That was the change point. That purpose, being purpose-driven, is and fulfillment is always about what you 
what you give, not what you get. Happiness is what we get. Fulfillment is what we give. And that was being purpose-driven. And that was the change. That was the place where I had to step out of my comfort zone. But in order to do that, to be honest, you know, with enough ego and enough bravado and enough everything else, I had to have a breakdown. That was necessary for me to overcome it, to let go of the clinging that is inherently built into us psychologically. So that, that, thanks for sharing that story. The, um, what I'm curious about is um, how the accident moved you from a uh, getter to a giver, using your words, you know, someone who, someone who gets to someone who gives. What, how do you make sense of, of the role of, of the accident in that shift? Oh, for me, um, this is, it's my belief. It's not the truth. It's just my belief. I don't believe in accidents. I don't even use that term. There's, there's no such thing as an accident. My life is, is always on purpose, unconsciously or consciously. My job is to recognize and make it conscious. So um, I would not have been able to leave my comfort zone. I mean, I was always stretching and always growing, don't get me wrong, and that's been part of my life since I was a little tiny kid. To, I've always pushed the outer limit. But truly stepping out of the comfort zone, that needed a breakdown to create a breakthrough. And so I know that that fall was not an accident. And just to be clear for everybody who's, who's watching and listening, uh, that was not my first fall. That was my fourth fall. I fell 70 feet off Bluff Knoll in Western Australia. That was the first. Then there was two more in between and then 120 feet in uh, uh, Brandywine Falls in uh, Western Canada. This was not my first fall. Every one of us goes through falls. And, so, and some of us have to wait till we're older. Some of us have it when we're younger. The key is to pay attention to your falls. Your fall might be a twist of your ankle, but it might be a, it might be a horrible diagnosis. It might be a bankruptcy. It might be a loss of identity in some way, shape, or form. But a fall is something that challenges our identity. And when that identity is challenged, we will go one of two ways, which is to cling tighter to the identity or to step fully out of the comfort zone and go, what if this is an end? that creates a new beginning because I believe a fall is there to wake you up from and to. So from being a getter to being a giver, from needing the attention, the, the accolades, the, uh, the rounds of applause to how can I serve? My life is committed to serving in every conversation. How can I serve you? It's in my mind. It's in my language. It's in everything I do. Am I still a big personality? Of course I am. Am I still dynamic? Of course I am. All those things haven't changed. But the center of where I come from is how can I serve? That's shifted to purpose. Why do you think that fall number four shifted you there as opposed to falls one, one through three? Oh, that's easy. I was thick. <laughs> <laughs> you, needed four, you needed four falls, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, my ego was big and strong and, and – you know, I could write it off as an accident the first couple of times. And right, I remember on the, the third fall, actually going home and journaling and saying, this is a wake-up call. I don't know what it is, but it's a wake-up call. And I need to, to wake up, but I don't know what from. And I remember meditating and, 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 and ruminating on it, but I didn't get it. And I needed to be incapacitated. I needed to, to feel like my life was over for me to really get the depth of what it was. Because ego and thick go side by side. 
they look intelligent, but it's actually thick. So if someone were listening to this, I'm wondering if they would, um, it sounds like you're, you, you like sort of extreme sports, which is cool. Um, it, it was, it was it. not, it doesn't sound like it was outside your comfort zone to do these climbs. Which is the piece most specifically that was outside your comfort zone here? Uh, willing to leave my identity. Mm, interesting. That's it. Willing to leave my identity, accepting that who I believed I was may not be who I am, that there's something far greater within me. So even around old and books, I was doing very well. That was not who I am, and challenging that and being willing to challenge that—that's what changed everything. Yeah, and I can imagine that's a universe. I mean, not everyone, you know, climbs rock cliffs and falls from 120 feet, but I think everyone uh, can identify with the experience of, of um, considering maybe personal reinvention in a way that's not superficial, but that's deep, but that's also scary and outside one's comfort zone. So those are great stories. And it's actually a really good transition to my second question, which is, um, which is really for people who are also undergoing a pretty significant transition, and that's young people. Um, so, so I work a lot with um, you know, 20, 21, 22-year-old students who are leaving the world of college to enter the professional world, a very different culture, adopting a, potentially a very different identity, um, hoping, I think, to discover their own leadership potential and hit the ground running and so, so, and so on. Um, you're a pretty experienced guy. You work with a lot of companies, a lot of leaders. You know, what advice would you have for, for young people um, you know, who might feel like imposters, who might feel like they don't know what to do or they don't have it in them? What advice would you give them to develop their leadership potential and take the leap? That's a great question. So first of all, if they're feeling like imposters, here's some news. You know, all those people you look at that you think are amazing, more than 70% of them have imposter syndrome. So that's where you start. So if, you, if you've got imposter syndrome, okay, fine, so what? So does everybody you admire. So that's where you start with that. We've all had some degree of that. Every time we step out of our comfort zone, we have a level of imposter syndrome. So it's worth considering. That's where to start with it. Second of all is this. If you want to be a great leader, there are some things that you've got to know. And if you're 21 years old, by the way, I love millennials, work with a lot of millennials, and even Gen Z now who are coming up who are 18 years old as we record this in 2018. You know, the way that they want to be led and the way that they want to lead is going to be very different, and that's fabulous. My last book, Fiercely Loyal, was talking about building loyalty with these people because what I love about millennials is that I, and this is my term, is millennials are baby boomers with balls or with gonads. And what I mean by that is, as a baby boomer, um, I, you know, I was a young baby boomer, but I can remember people who were 10 years older than me saying, I'm never gonna work for the man, and then they became the man. Now, millennials are saying, I don't trust the men. And, and as a result, they have an entrepreneurial spirit. What that means is, it doesn't mean they can't work inside companies, not at all. But what it means is that they understand that their life is not dependent on the company. And I think that that's fantastic. If you want to be a great leader and you want to build loyalty, there are certain things you need to do. Number one, find your purpose. 
this, you know, I love Simon, love Simon's work. I know you've had Simon on the show. Um, you know, find your why, very important stuff. But I would push you further. Find the why of your why. That's your purpose. Your purpose and your passion are not the same thing. If you don't believe me, if you're 21 years old and you're thinking about following a career that follows your passion and you're a straight male, then you probably should go into gynecology. Do you understand what I'm saying? That your passion is not your purpose. It's your passion. It's transitory. Your purpose is deeper than that. Your why of your why. What is it that drives you? Why does that drive you? So when you get to what you think is your why, ask yourself, what, what is it about that that drives you? And then share that with other people. And when you do that, there will be great vulnerability. You'll have to be vulnerable to share that. Sharing some rhetoric that you've come up with about your why, there's no vulnerability in that, and it doesn't particularly bond people to you. But when you share the depth of your why, that will in fact contain some fragility, some couple of golf balls you'll have to swallow in order to share that. But that is what bonds people to you. That's what lets people see the humanity of you. That's what I was missing before I fell, is I could tell you all the great stories, but there'd be no vulnerability in it. There was no like, here's how I screwed up. Here's how I still screw up. Here's where I'm still struggling. Can you help me? Great leaders are curious. They ask a ton of questions and they're deeply vulnerable and they know their purpose. Be that and you'll be an outstanding leader. Interesting. You know, it's, it's, as, as you were talking, I, I am very far away from 21 years old, unfortunately, but I... <laughs> But I, um, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can, I can imagine myself stepping into the shoes of a 21 year old mm-hmm. thinking to myself, okay, you know, this guy seems like a really impressive guy. Dove, he's telling me to, to find my purpose. Gosh, that's a big question. How do I, it is. I mean, you know, how do I find my purpose? What's my purpose? My purpose up until now is to get good grades, get, in a, get, get a good job. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what, do you mean my, what do you mean my purpose? You know, how, how do you, I mean, how do you even start? Is that's that, a great that, question. It's a great question because it is a deeply philosophical question. And, you know, what one thinks of as one's purpose, you know, again, it's the question around authenticity. People will say to me, how do I be more authentic? Right there, you're asking me the question, you've already told me you're not authentic, right? Because, but the truth of the matter is that everybody's authentic. That douchebag you know is authentic. They're authentic at being a douchebag. So authenticity is based on our level of self-knowledge. So in order to be more authentic, we need to inquire deeper into ourselves. And the purpose process is exactly that. It's inquiring deeper into yourself. So may I share an exercise to help people find their purpose? Sure. Okay, so very simple exercise that's going to help you to get there. This is work that I do with executives, athletes, entertainers, and people who are are next-gen leaders who I work with as well. And that's this. I want, have you ever, have you, Andy, have you ever been to a funeral? I have. Right. They're not particularly delicious places to be. But if you've been at a funeral and you've sat there, you have watched somebody deliver a eulogy. The person delivering the eulogy has one job, and that one job is to dry clean the past of the person who died. That's their job. Clean out all the dirty spots and make, it, make any dirty spots either sound humorous and highlight the good stuff. 
That's the job of a eulogy. So I want you to imagine right now that you're dead and by whatever means you're floating around at your own funeral and you can see there's somebody at the front delivering a eulogy. What is the one liner you want them to say about you? Write that down as I'm asking you that or you can ponder it. But what do you want them to say that's the one liner that's going to make you go, ah, oh, yes. Right? It's just like, no, nah, I lived my life brilliantly because of that one liner. Okay? Now what I want you to do is I want you to float to the back of the room where the people, don't, where the people who really know you but maybe didn't like you so much. So many years ago, I was invited to a funeral for a friend of mine. Um, he wanted me to come to his dad's funeral. He didn't like his dad. His dad was a horrible man. I knew that. He knew that. But he needed me for support, and I went. At the front of the room, the guy giving the eulogy talked about how this man had paid the rent for a neighbor at one point in time and never asked for the money back. It was pretty much the only decent thing this man did. He used to beat his own child with a Hot Wheels track. It gives you a clue of the character. In the back of the room, we knew that. We knew that the kind of cruel man he was. So as you float to the back of the room in your own funeral, what is it you fear they would whisper? This is deep. This is really vulnerable with yourself. So I'm going to tell you mine in order to be totally transparent and give you some clues in it. At the front of the room, they're saying, Dove was a courageous man. He lived his life on purpose, assisting others to fully live in their purpose so that they could have impact and change the world. That's what he said at the front of the room, in mine. As I float to the back of the room, they say something very short, very short. They say, and I'm not, I won't use profanity, although mine does have profanity, and it needs it, and I'll explain why in a moment. It says, Dove was an effing coward. That's what it says at the back of the room. I tried it with Dove was a coward. doesn't work. I can dismiss that. But when there's the effing in there, then it, that was like, so what I know my purpose is is to always be stepping into courage around my own purpose, stepping into courage around facilitating purpose in others. And every time I want to chicken out, I have to go to that because I need both the vision of where I'm going, which is what they said at the front of the room, and the fire on my ass of what they're whispering at the back of the room. That's one of the parts of how you find your purpose. Well, this has been very interesting. And I think that one takeaway I have and f from this is, is that, you know, for young people, um, however they do it, using your exercise, which is interesting, other exercises, I think that a process of introspection is is sort of is is the prescription you know however you get there um and and i i suspect that 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 during you know during college people aren't maybe they're introspective about certain things but not necessarily about their purpose and their you know their their driving purpose in their life which might not be easy to figure out immediately but as long as you start to think about it and have it kicking around your subconscious i imagine that your thoughts will start to orient in that direction and that will be a nice filter for you to um, observe your actions make choices and also observe and make sense of other people's lives so very interesting stuff um, it is, and, and you can start at a simple level of just questioning your own beliefs. So is this true? So, so think about this. What you, call, what you call the truth is simply a belief. 
And so question, where did I get the belief? Is it actually mine? Or did they inherit it somewhere? We've all seen the movie Goodwill Hunting and the guy in the bar is showing off with all the facts and Will challenges him and he says, that's because you learned that last week. But that's actually how we operate. We call our beliefs the truth. And when you start questioning that, you start finding that deeper introspection of yourself. Is that true for me? Is that actually true for me? And that's when you start getting some real depth. And I work with people who are young the way you're talking about and they have profound depth when they're willing to just go there. Well, this has been very interesting um, and, and, and very insightful, especially along the dimensions, uh, you know, sort of the idea of like the, the, the way that you can start to really um, sort of live a, a self-examined life in a way um, as, 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 sort of a, as sort of a way to start to learn to step outside your comfort zone and kind of build that leadership potential within. So thank you very much for, for joining us. If, if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, how, how can they find you? Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. You can find me at fullmontyleadership.com. That's my main site. You'll find my blog on there. There's more than 450 articles on there. Also access to my podcast is on there. All those things. So you can find me on YouTube, Dove Baron Leadership, on Facebook, Dove Baron Leadership, on uh, Twitter, at the Dove Baron, Instagram, all those places. And of course, I write for uh, 15 different outlets. So just search me. You'll find it, D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N. And here's the thing. Um, I would challenge you to write to me personally. I'll give you my personal email, D-O-V at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. Write to me. Tell me what you've gotten out of this. I want to hear from you. I, this is, a, for me, my purpose is about having impact and helping you to have impact. So tell me what you got out of this and write to Andy and tell him, because he's taking the time to bring you the guest to assist you and serve you. Let him know what you get out of this. This guy's not wasting his time. His time is very valuable and he's gifting it to you. So be, be generous back. Recognize his generosity. Don't take it as entitlement. Just reach out and say thank you and tell him what you got out of the show. And that would be at Andy at AndyMalinsky.com. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and we'll be in touch for sure. Thank you, Andy. And thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast. If you're interested in learning more about comfort zones and the work I do, please visit andymalinsky.com. And you can also find all social media links there or by Googling my name, Andy Malinsky. Also, feel free to email me directly with ideas for future podcasts, questions, comments. My email is andy at andymalinsky.com. Thank you so much for listening.